Texas Tech is looking for their second straight win over TCU. They'll look to get this one started a little bit better than they did a few weeks ago. We'll detail how they can do just that coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you have not subscribed to our channel already. Be sure that you do that today. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News, and I'm joined by Emery Lida, as always, a longtime Texas Tech analyst, writer, and podcaster. Today, we're talking a little bit about the TCU game on Saturday. Obviously, this was a game that uh, Texas Tech played in Lubbock a few weeks back, had what I think is probably arguably one of the worst halves of basketball that they played in the first half, managed to go into halftime just down three, and then bounced back, had a monster second half, and ended up winning that game 82-69 to over the Horned Frogs. Mike Miles did play. He had 16 points, which led TCU in scoring. Meanwhile, Terrence Shannon Jr. had a huge game off the bench for the Red Raiders. Bryson Williams was really good as well. This was the game that uh, Texas Tech would end up losing Kevin McCuller um, as a result of for a little bit after he uh, stepped on Jamie Dixon's foot, but he's back now. Emery, when you were watching that game, obviously I know the first half made a lot of people pull their hair out, but uh, what'd you gain from it? What'd you see? Well, so obviously the first half was probably one of the first worst halves that Tech played all year. I mean, obviously you got down by 13 or so and McCuller got hurt. Things were really looking down. But to me, it just showed how efficient Tech could be on offense if things are going right. And this, is a, this was a good TCU defense. I mean, they've got a lot of long, versatile athletes, which we'll talk on later. We covered earlier in our first preview for them this year. And really the second half, I mean, they just can't. Tech came alive offensively and then defensively. TCU got shut down. I know on the perimeter from early on in the game from three, TCU was really able to get going and obviously hit, I think it was six of their first 12 shots. But once that kind of cooled off for them, I mean, Tech was able to really control the game. And I think that it just showed sort of the offensive power they were able to have, certainly having a guy like Bryson Williams kind of come on in the second half. You had a really good game from TJ Shannon. And just in general, it was a very nice, nice showing. And across the board, like guys came alive and really sort of ended up with, making this game end up being a pretty controllable win, one that Tech was able to sort of pull away. And honestly, like, given that you ended up winning by 13, I feel like it doesn't do it justice for the flow of the game because at one point, Tech went from being down 13 to up 21. And that was just like that sort of um, mixture between the two where you had, I think it was like a 43 to 11 run. I mean, that's special. And this team... For me, that first half, it was right after the Oklahoma game, and I was kind of questioning if maybe things were coming back down to earth a little bit, but this just reassured me that this team is really good, and especially when things were clicking offensively. It, they looked unbeatable in the second half against TCU in the first first matchup between the two. And for you to win by 13 in this game, I think is a is just a really good indication of how good of a team you are. And just how much of a step above you really are to some of these other teams in the Big 12. I mean, 
this was a game of of all variants for TCU. I mean, truly, they made 11 threes from the field. That's the most they've made in a Big 12 game this season. Um, they shot 40% from deep. That's the only time they've shot above 35% in Big 12 play. So, I mean, for a team that has truly been one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country all season long, for them to go kind of scorched earth on you a little bit and, and still you win by 13, I think is a really good indication of just where you're at as a program. I mean, obviously, a lot of that had to do with, with Mike Miles and just the, the gravity that he creates when he's on the floor because of just how pure of a shooter he is. Um, Charles O'Bannon knocked down a couple. Damian Baugh knocked down uh, three of his seven. And then Francisco Farabello, a guy that uh, feels like he's been at the USA every single year since I was like two. Um, he was three for three as well. And so this is a team that's got some guys, but when you look at their offensive profile, it, it's really, really intriguing that they can do all these good things and, and still lose a game by 13. I mean, if you look at their numbers, there are 358 Division One basketball teams playing right now. TCU is 335th in turnover percentage. They are 329th in three-point percentage, and they are 322nd in free throw percentage. So that's a lot of really bad offense, and they scored, I mean, 69 in this game like that's that's pretty impressive to be quite honest that that is pretty impressive that your offense is still creating that amount of output you know when I knew that this game was a little bit of a variance sort of game for TCU do you have any guesses when Micah Peavy made a three-pointer his first of the game his first of the big 12 season his third in his career I mean, at that point, I was like, well, what did we do to anger the basketball gods? And then Damian Ball hit a couple off the dribble, one of which was really contested. And I kept questioning that because Ball is not a great three-point shooter in this roster in general. I mean, you've got a couple of good shooters on the team. Obviously, Chuck O'Bannon's right around 35%. And then Farabello has been a good shooter, like you said. I mean, it feels like he's been there since TCU joined the conference. But outside of that, I mean, you're looking at a team that really had no right shooting above 50% at one point in that game. And they still ended up hitting 11 of them. Um, obviously, they took 28 to get there. But for me, the biggest thing that Tech did in that first matchup was keep TCU off the offensive glass. And there's a lot of things that TCU struggles with offensively, but getting on the glass is one thing that they really have done well. I mean, they lead the country in offensive rebounding percentage. I mean, you've got a number of guys, whether it be obviously – You've got Ed Emmanuel Miller, who really dominated early on in the game. You've got Eddie Lampkin. PV is obviously an active player. You've got Xavier Cook. You've got all of those guys who kind of contribute, and they're just so lengthy and athletic that they can get on the glass well. And in that game, TCU only had, I believe, it was five offensive rebounds the entire night. And like for a team that is that good at crashing the glass and has that much of an identity, to be able to more or less match them on the glass, because Tech also ended up with five offensive rebounds, that won you the game in a lot of ways because – once TCU's perimeter shots stop falling at an absurd rate, and once their two-point game and their kind of lack of ability to distribute well kind of made made ways, obviously they struggled a little bit with turnovers. Once those things happened, then the inability to crash the glass kind of, it wasn't there to save them. And so for me, that was the most impressive part of the game in Lubbock. And since then, I believe Lampkin's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. Um, certainly that's something to keep in mind is he's easily their best big. He played some in the Texas game, but kind of struggled, and he didn't play against West Virginia. So, I mean, he's a guy you're going to have to look out for. But certainly, I mean, being able to keep TCU off the glass in that first game played a lot of dividends and allowing them to allowing Tech to weather the storm and eventually make a big run. 
yeah, by all means, that was a really impressive performance for you to be able to do that um, on the glass against a team that truly is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. I mean, we mentioned that in our first preview that part of winning this game was going to be preventing them from getting second looks. And Texas Tech, I mean, they held them to their second lowest offensive rebounding percentage of the season, which was their lowest offensive rebounding percentage until uh, Wednesday night, I think, when when they played Texas. And they had one offensive rebound against Texas, which is just, that's just crazy. But for you to hold a team even to their second lowest offensive rebounding percentage, I felt like was a big, big win for you. Um, especially considering whenever their variance kind of tapered off a little bit and um, shots started to miss for them. I felt like it was really big for you to be able to crash the glass. But we've got to talk about some individual players because there's some really, really talented guys on this TCU team. But first, a word from our sponsors. March Madness is only three weeks away. That means that you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running brackets with runyourpool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. Both are really fun in each of their own ways. They have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks. All stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. Clearly, we believe Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution because I actually enjoy eating Built Bar products. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They are not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. These are going to be your new favorite. They're low in calorie protein. Replace your favorite candy bars with these. They are going to be better. Go to Built.com and scroll down the macros chart. You're going to be blown away. They're high in protein, low in calorie, high in fiber, and low in carb. Go to Built.com today to get your hands on some of your own. Texas Tech versus TCU. Uh, Red Raiders have traditionally traveled really well to Fort Worth. I expect a, a, a ruckus crowd there again this Saturday night. Um, but we've got to talk about the talent that will be on the court first and foremost. And a guy that uh, continues to to catch our attention and continues to just be one of the better players in the rinse is Mike Miles. Um, a guy that just has a knack for scoring the basketball even when he's struggling from deep. He had 16 against Tech. Um, shot two of three from deep in that game, but really got to the free throw line well. Took a lot of high quality shots. After that game, he played 35 minutes against Iowa State and had um, probably his worst, yeah, without a doubt, his worst night of the season. Had just three points, went 0 for 8 from the field, and had three turnovers. But he has bounced back and played really, really well in three straight games for TCU. Had 13 against Baylor, 15 against West Virginia, and 17 against Texas. Emory, I mean, for those for those that missed the first game against TCU are just not familiar with Mike Miles. I know that this is a guy that you've 
really, really watched for a long time and you've paid a lot of attention to. What does he bring to the court for TCU? Well, he's a three-level shot maker. That's the first thing. And a lot of people will watch his highlights, and especially his highlights from last year, and just assume that he's a lethal shooter and a guy that can really create his own shot. And while he can do that really well, I think it's his ability to finish through contact and just be a really tough initiator that kind of sets him apart. I mean, TCU, for the longest time, the last couple of years, really relied on him for just about everything offensively. I mean, he's a real high-usage guy. Obviously, this season, the efficiency is tanked. But despite that, I mean, he's a guy that you're going to have to commit a lot of defense to just because he can create his own shot. He's not the best shooter this year. I think he's dealt, obviously, he's dealt with wrist injuries, and that has kept him from really being the most efficient guy shooting from downtown. But certainly, he has the ability to create that space. And then driving to the rim, he's really developed a lot as a contact finisher. I think he's a patient enough driver that it kind of allows him to have good opportunities and doesn't really force the issue too much. That's something that his teammate Damian Ball kind of has some issues with. But certainly, Miles is a guy that really can score at all three levels. And beyond that, his ability to pass is, in my opinion, taking a leap this year. And even though the efficiency hasn't quite been there from the field, he's been able to create for others. And that's kind of bought him some time. And even though the shot hasn't been falling, I mean, he's two of 16 since he came back from injury or since the tech game after injury. So in those last four games, including the Iowa state game, but despite that, I mean, they still rely on him so heavily. Like if I, I'm probably going to catch some flack for this, but if you wanted one-to-one player comparison, he's about as close to Keenan Evans as you're going to find in the conference. And obviously I don't think that he's quite at Keenan's level yet. I think obviously as a Tech fan, I have to think that Keenan Evans, like what he did his senior year was unparalleled. But at the same time, Mike Miles has that same sort of style of really being a downhill player that can also create at all three levels. And even when, when the shot isn't fall, falling, he's still able to make a big impact offensively. That's a fair comp. I feel like that's pretty fair. I mean, I think obviously I agree with you in that Keenan had a little bit of a better shot and um, just his burst was a little bit better. But Miles is a guy that mirrors him in a lot of ways especially with his ability to get to the rim and a guy that has been there right there with him while he's been getting to the rim this year has been Emmanuel Miller. I know that this is a guy that we spent some time um, really, really focusing in on um, in our first TCU preview because um, you and I both really like stretch bigs and Miller is a very, very intriguing prospect. Hasn't really developed into that true stretch big yet, but he's got some really, really interesting flashes, especially on the defensive end. He had a really quiet night against Tech against in the first game. Uh, played 28 minutes, just went 2-7 from the field. Had only four boards, three fouls, and two turnovers. Um, but in the three games following that, he really, really erupted, especially as uh, Eddie Lampkin went to the bench for a bit with an injury. He had 14 against Iowa State. Then he had 16 against Baylor and then 18 against West Virginia. Didn't play too hot against Texas on Wednesday night, but... Miller is just one of those guys that, especially in the pick and roll, feels like somebody that you've got to account for and can beat you if you're not careful on your switches. Yeah, it was interesting because Miller really got off to a fast start in that game in Lubbock, and he hit the first shot of the game for TCU. And, I mean, it's interesting because he he's more of a perimeter big offensively, and you would think that given that he kind of has the skill set of a wing, that he would be a better shooter than he is. But I think that that's kind of a limiting factor for him in his game. But despite that, I mean, like you mentioned, the three most recent games he really had, or the three games after the tech game, he really had a nice stretch. I mean, you saw against Baylor, Baylor, Iowa State, and I believe, 
West Virginia were the three games and all three of them, he really showed out. And really for Miller, it's his ability to finish inside. He's a good offensive rebounder and he's really versatile as a wing. And I think as well as that, you add him in with a guy like Chuck O'Bannon and Micah Peavy as well. And that's a good group of wings that all kind of add different skill sets, but certainly, I mean, Miller's one of, one of the more versatile wings you're going to see in the conference. And it really, for his sake, it kind of sucks that he hasn't been able to shoot it well, because if you add that to his game as an already kind of perimeter oriented big in terms of the role that he has to play for them, I think it would really open up their offense more and it open up his ability to play more. And I mean, despite that, he's still one of TCU's best players. And I think the versatility he offers defensively can be really valuable. His ability to crash the glass as a wing is one of his more impressive attributes. And then I would also add in, he's a, pretty functional ball handler for his size and for the role that he plays and I think that that's something that we saw early on he was able to get to a hook shot if I remember correctly the first basket of that game and then I think he also had one later on so I mean he's someone to watch I think there's certainly areas that are holes in his game at this point obviously I mentioned the shot is probably not the most natural ball handler having said that that's a bit something that he can kind of provide outside of his arch type but still someone that you really have to keep track of and I think goes along and complements their other wings pretty well. All right, I want to talk about Damian Baugh for a second because he's a guy that had a pretty big game against Tech in the first meeting. He shot 3-7 from deep, felt like one of those guys where variance had just kind of finally fallen in his favor. What's been interesting to monitor with him this year has been how much TCU is just really fighting against what feels like a lot of evidence that you maybe don't want him playing as many primary ball handler minutes as he has been, but... They've sticked with it, man, and he he had four assists to five turnovers against Tech. Um, and that next game against Iowa State was really quiet in terms of scoring. Had three assists, three turnovers. Then against Baylor, he had five assists to one turnover. Against West Virginia, seven assists to one turnover. And then Texas the other night, uh, four to three. So a little bit of an interesting development here from Baugh. Um, getting a little bit more comfortable with the ball in his hands. Obviously, still um, probably not a guy that you're super excited to be playing a ton of PBH minutes. I think he's averaging over four turnovers in Big 12 play per game, which is just really difficult to live with. But the shooting is there. We saw that against Tech. Um, the playmaking is developing. What did you see from in, in that first matchup? Is there anything that you change with how Tech's defense approached him or did you just kind of get loose at the right times I mean I think a lot of it was just simple variance like he was taking shots that for him on paper you wouldn't think that he was taking I think he was more aggressive from three in that game than we've seen him throughout Big 12 play and obviously that was coming off of the end of a hot stretch for him he had had three straight games with 14 or more he had been kind of playing confident as Mike Miles had gotten injured and he kind of taken over a primary ball handle role and we saw him hitting a couple of pull-ups. And I think that that's something that, dating back to his days in Memphis, you really can't rely on him to hit consistently. So Tech really didn't, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't really do a lot to change that. It's just more or less like he missed a couple that he made in the first half. And then as the game went on, like he kind of slowed down in terms of taking those shots. And as far as he goes as a ball handler, I mean, he's a guy that you can really take advantage of from a handling sense. I think he's got to work on that a little bit. He can be a bit too impatient on drives. And, Certainly, he's got himself into trouble at points this year. But he's also, he's a talented player. His ability to see guys and make plays is part of why I think TCU runs him as a bowl handler. Because as good as 
Mike Miles is, he's not the natural playmaker that Ball is. And that doesn't mean that Ball's necessarily a better ball handler because you have that sort of turnover issue and still isn't quite as much of a threat on pull-ups. But despite that, I mean, he's a guy that you kind of want to have the ball in his hands to some degree. And plus, he had one of the most ridiculous stat lines that you're going to find earlier in the year against Iowa State. I mean, he had a 5 by 5 but one of the stats was the turnovers. And then he had he ended up with 23 points, 5 assists, 7 steals, 7 boards. Like, what kind of guy puts that up? That just shows you, I mean, defensively, he's a really intense player. And offensively, might be a little bit out of control, but he can still make plays for others and for himself. We'll talk about what Texas Tech needs to do to sweep the season series against TCU come in our next segment. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. All the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Talking Texas Tech TCU second game of the season series being played in Fort Worth. Emery, as you were talking in your last segment, I did some digging and I just stumbled upon something really, really crazy um, considering Big 12 play. Uh, TCU has not played a ranked team at home since they beat LSU in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Isn't that nuts? I think it speaks to how backloaded their schedule is, to be honest. I mean, I looked at their schedule early on, and it was kind of like they were able to rack up some wins against more inferior teams, and certainly they hosted Baylor right at the beginning of conference play, and that was a game that kind of signaled that maybe Baylor was struggling a little bit. But yeah, since then, they really haven't had their test, their chance to handle too many marquee opponents at home. I mean, obviously you did have LSU come to town. LSU has kind of faded a little bit since then. You had Texas when Texas was really in dire need of a win and they will, TCU got blown out in that game. But I mean, yeah, their schedule is about to take a big rush up. I mean, you've got Tech, you've got, and then you've got two Kansas games in the span of five days. I mean, that is, that's a gauntlet that I don't know if anyone in the country would be able to put up for all three of those games and end up coming out of that unscathed. Kansas back to back just does not feel fair. Like someone, two days, two days to play Kansas. That is brutal. Someone in the Big Twelve office must have something against TCU because that is like, I don't know how they ended up with that schedule. Obviously, it was because of a cancellation that forced their hand in that sense. But still, like that is just brutal for them to have to go through that. And like the fact that you're going to have to go through the emotions of playing them at home. And if you don't win that game, then having to go all the way to fall Gallon Fieldhouse just to play them again, two days later, like that is just asking for trouble. Whatever SMU grad is doing big 12 scheduling this year, man, show some mercy. I mean, come on. I'm all for, uh, I'm all for coaches leaving and going to your rivalry and then making their, uh, making their life horrible. But that, that's just crossing the line. Kansas back to back. Obviously, this is a brutal, brutal stretch for TCU. Um, they, they just played Texas. They lost to Texas. They'll play Tech. And then Kansas back-to-back close out the year with a game in Morgantown. But you mentioned backloading, especially at home. I mean, they, they had West Virginia at home, Iowa State at home, Oklahoma State at home, and Kansas State at home since that LSU win. So they've really 
not had a ton of stout competition coming to Fort Worth. Um, Texas Tech is about to change that. They're about to make their lives uh, probably a little bit more difficult than they would have hoped. But, um, I mean, if you want to talk about kind of sounding the alarm and, and putting a team that really needs a win, um, th- I, I know that they know what their schedule looks like from here on out, especially those back-to-back games against Kansas. I think TCU is going to enter this game with a lot of energy and a lot of motivation to win it, especially the fact that this game is at home, I feel like is a big, big thing and a big, big selling point for them. Now, I do think that Texas Tech is going to have a lot of fans in the crowd, which will certainly help their cause. But if you're, if I'm Texas Tech, I really think one of my keys to the game is just get out to an early start. I, I think that that's really what you've got to do. Mark Adams has proved time and time again. I don't know how he keeps doing this. It's literally one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But no matter where he's at at halftime, he'll be able to bounce back and get a win. But in this game, with just how hungry this team probably is for a win, I think you've got to get out to a, to a good start. I don't think you want to replicate what you did in that first game. Make your early shots. Close out on the perimeter. Don't let variance or do everything you can to not let variance take over and just play play basketball the way that you know you can. Just don't don't get yourself into a hole early. Yeah, that's the thing. And TCU, I mean, it could go one of two ways here. On one hand, they've been a team that the last few weeks have really just sort of found ways to lose. And it started with that tech game. They were up big in the first half, kind of collapsed late. Against Iowa State, they had a really long scoring drought, and that contributed to them kind of falling apart in that game, losing by three at home. And that was one that you really kind of needed to have. And then Baylor, I mean, the score was it was only only an eleven point game, but watching that game live, it felt like it was way more uncompetitive than that. And then you come back, you win against West Virginia, which was sure that's fine, but that doesn't really do you much in the eyes of the committee when West Virginia themselves have struggled a lot this year. And then. You played Texas, got out to an early lead, same story, fell apart late, in spite of Texas having some really bad negative variants from three. I mean, they went one of 14 in that game, and TCU just still could not hang on. And so, I mean, this is a must-have for them. And on one hand, I think that you are going to see them come out come out really elevated and really kind of looking to have that sort of bounce-back approach because they need this one so bad. They need one of the next three to go their way. But the other side is, at what point do you just get gassed as a team? I mean, this is a team that's fought through injuries. They've had guys like Mike Miles and Eddie Lampkin missing games here and there, and they've struggled really to sort of put everything together for a full game. And so a team that's right on the bubble and is facing that pressure, I mean, on one hand, you could look at it like it makes them come out better. But on the other hand, I mean, this has to be exhausting for them because had they just been able to close out one or two of those games, they'd be sitting in a much better spot right now. And I don't know exactly what that would do to their ego and to sort of how they approach this game from a mental standpoint. It's going to be a really, really interesting, I think, just mindset to watch this team and, and where they'll be at. But uh, one final key to the game for me, just sell out to defending the perimeter. I think we're at the point now, or defending inside and letting them try to beat you on the perimeter to to put that in a better way. I think we're at the point now where we've seen that, I mean, can anybody beat Texas Tech inside? Like, Gonzaga has the talent to do it, but even they couldn't. I think the thing about that is those teams can play Tech well inside and still not score points there. I think Gonzaga, even though the bigs didn't score a lot, they still had an impact passing in that game. 
I don't think TCU has that talent inside to be able to really win that matchup. So we're really not talking about apples to apples. But in terms of teams being able to beat Tech inside, you're not going to be able to score a bunch inside. I mean, I think you could put a, one of the, you could put Oscar Shibuya on the inside and let him go to work, and he's not going to be able to have a great, efficient game. He might win the game because of the passes he makes or the pure tip outs or whatnot, but it's not going to be on the points. And I think that you're right and that at this point it's been proven that the way to beat tech is you've got to get hot from deep because on the inside the defense has worked the entire season there's no reason to think that it's not going to after what is it 28 games at this point yeah and i mean like i i think this has to be your strategy especially in this game just given how how poorly pcu shoots the ball from deep um they haven't made more than six threes in a game since they made 11 in this one Last night against Texas was the first time they've shot above 28% from deep since that Tech game. So I just think put all your cards on the table. Make them try to beat you um, from from deep. They, they don't have the talent to do it. And then um, I think that just gives you a leg up to win inside. I am going to pick Texas Tech to win this game rather confidently, but maybe my score score prediction won't reflect that as much. I think it'll be close. I'm a little worried about TCU's motivation in this one, but I think ultimately they just don't have the talent to win this game. I'll pick the Red Raiders winning this one 68-62. A little bit of a close game, um, a little bit less offense than we saw in the first matchup but i do think that um on on paper it's just it's impossible for me to pick against texas tech in this game see i kind of look at it the inverse i have a lot of faith in the talent that tcu has but i just just not sure how it fits together to be able to beat tech or any of the top tier big 12 teams because you look at the wings that they have and against most other teams you'd say yeah they have an advantage there i mean pv's a versatile guy. Chuck O'Bannon's turned out to be a pretty efficient scorer through the season. Obviously, we talked about Emmanuel Miller, but Tech Swings are just simply a little bit better. They've got a versatile amount of guards. I think Damian Ball and Mike Miles is probably one of the most underrated backcourts in the country. You have Eddie Lampkin inside. You've got a team that's been really good at offensive rebounding, but what has that gotten you? I mean, three-point shooting-wise, they're really inconsistent. That's something that you need to beat Tech. Um, and defensively, they've had their lapses. They've had games like, like against Tech where they just simply break down. So it's hard to find the consistency there with this team. And, I mean, I can't pick against Tech in this game because I think that for all the motivation TCU has, Tech is the same sort of motivation. You went out, you can suddenly, you're at worst going to be a two-seed in the Big 12 tournament, and you're probably looking at a two-seed nationally at worst. So, like, there's motivation on both sides of the table here. And I think... At the end of the day, I just don't trust TCU as a team enough to be able to pick them against a team like Tech that's been rolling as of late. That Even when they struggle on the road, they've still been able to shut down teams offensively and kind of make the game a rock fight. And I actually think this is going to be one of their best offensive games on the road all season, in part because of the crowd and in part because, for whatever reason, in the past, Tech has, for the most part, been able to shoot well in Fort Worth, and they've been able to have those good games. I'm a... I'm a believer in that having a lot to do with it is kind of the environment sort of playing a part in how a team shoots. And so for that reason, I'll go with Tech winning this one 74 to 66. I think TCU is going to be able to keep it close. And I mean, who knows if they hit 50% of their three point shots and they hit another 11 or 12 threes, you know what? They can have this one move on like it is what it is. But I've got faith Tech's not going to let that happen. I think as good as they shot the three in the first game, it took a lot of variance and some guys that aren't used to hitting those shots hitting it, and I just don't think it will happen again. Micah Peavy is 2 
of 12 from deep in Big 12 play. One of his makes came against his former team. The other one came against his former coach. coach. Over under, Micah Peavy made threes in this game, setting it at .5. (laughs) You know what? He's going to hit one in the first 10 minutes of the game. Just the way this goes. It doesn't matter if they're winning or losing, but it's going to happen. You know, because somehow he's shooting a better percentage from three than Buzo this year, and that makes me extremely sad. But anyways... (laughs) It's going to happen. Oh, just man, to make you, did, you did not need to drop that. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm, I'm taking the under any day of the week. Give me the under. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens Saturday night, 5 o'clock in Fort Worth. I'm sure it'll be a good one. We will be back after that game to recap what happened. Hopefully, it's a Texas Tech win. Um, in the meantime, keep up with us on Twitter. You can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emory at Eraser41, and you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not already. It helps us out a ton. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Um, Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts just like us. Thanks for listening, and we will see you probably on Saturday.